You are now listening to the Photography Enthusiast Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Photography Enthusiast Podcast. As always, I am your host, Daniel Lee, or follows by DLEE. Today is going to be a review episode in the sense that we just I'm just going to look at my photography for 2021 and discuss it from a photography aspect, see how I did in terms of that sort of stuff, as well as setting some goals for myself in 2022 in terms of a, you know, photography aspect, what I want to achieve, what I want to keep up with, all that kind of stuff, what goals I'm not going to stick to, like pretty much always when it comes to gear stuff. So to begin things, we get into personal updates. So I've updated my Canon R6 and I have to say it does seem better. I haven't done anything very you know, strenuous for the autofocus system, sports or bird or anything to be able to really test it. But I noticed for when it comes to people, it's tracking the back of people's head a lot better and it can capture the eye and stick to the eye from even more wider angles. I have seen online a lot of people mentioning that when they're shooting, say, animals that has been a lot stickier as well which you know is always a good thing to have otherwise in terms of other features you know I haven't really noticed much of a difference we'll have to see what happens you know in the long term obviously I don't think it's going to have any major issues if there was the people who use their cameras you know more than me would have already noticed a issue but we'll see how it goes either way it's a very great update to have especially for something that didn't cost anything extra and considering that the camera is already more than a year old being able to get this kind of autofocus update that brings it in line with what is currently the flagship body. Kind of keep saying it's not, but you know, it is. And I'm talking about the R3 there. So yeah. So if you do follow me at photosbydaily, you know, .com, my actual personal blog where I post all my photography, you would have noticed that I've sort of changed the format. So previously I was doing blog posts every fortnight. So I would just include everything in one. But then I found it was just sort of annoying doing it that way. Like I like it easier because it's more of a set schedule. The week that I'm not releasing the podcast, I do that. But at the same time, you know, say I wanted to post a photo. I usually prefer to post it on my blog before I post it on Flickr or Twitter or any of that kind of stuff. So I usually have to wait for, you know, that point where I post it on the blog, wait a fortnight to be able to post it. Whereas with this, if I take photos, I can just simply post it right away and then post it everywhere right away and post as I go rather than, you know, have to wait to every two weeks. So in a way, you are getting more posts, but they're shorter posts and easier to deal with and they're easier to write as well. And they're not, I'm not like sending four or five posts a day or even a daily post. It's more like one a week now, if that, probably not even that, maybe once a fortnight, just a much shorter post. Sometimes it'll be once a week, really depends. I'm trying to keep up with the macro Monday. So you'll always get that one every second Monday, mainly because I don't know, the schedule I'm on, I'm doing it every two weeks, which I has worked for me quite well, but I do want to sort of pick it up to make it weekly. The podcast itself will still stay fortnightly, mainly just due to topics. I feel like I wouldn't be able to come up with enough topics to cover, you know, every single week. If it was wrestling, I could easily do weekly because there's always so much happening in every single week. But sadly, with photography, a bit harder for me to talk. So I have also been quite busy in taking less photos. To be honest, it was a bit of a struggle to record this fortnight. So usually I would record this podcast much earlier, at least four or five days earlier. So I have plenty of time to just slowly edit it and all that kind of stuff. This time I am recording the day before. So this will be releasing tomorrow, less than, yeah, about 14 hours from now this will release. So it's a lot more last minute compared to usual, but I've just been so busy on the weekend, was hardly home. 
lots of Christmas shopping, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, don't know what that noise was. Someone dragging, I don't know why, apartment living is good and it's bad. You hear it's lots, of, lots of weird noises above and below all the time. Otherwise, that's pretty much it for personal updates. I don't think I really have anything else to share. I'm sure I'll think of something later on and just randomly throw it in there. But otherwise, on to the news. So Nikon have announced their 28 to 75 millimeter f2.8 lens and also the development of an 800 millimeter f6.3. So the 28 to 75 f2.8 is for full frame Z mount camera lenses. And Nikon goes so far to say that it is capable of everything from portraiture that features a soft background blur to extremely detailed landscape photos, low light photography, and even small scale video production. The lens is constructed of 15 elements in 12 groups and feature one low, this extra low dispersion element, one super extra low dispersion element, and three aspherical elements. It has a 67 millimeter front element which is usually more commonly known as the filter thread, nine bladed rounded aperture diaphragm that has a range of f2.8 to through to f22, minimum focusing distance of 19 centimeters or 7.5 inches, that is at the wide end as well, and is also 565 grams or 1.2 pounds. Doesn't have any vibration reduction, which is, you know, IS for people and other brands, that sort of stuff. It has a control ring that can be customized to change ISO aperture and exposure compensation, so sort of like what Canon do with their lenses. Their 28-75mm f2.8 is sealed to prevent dust and water droplets from entry, but is not dustproof or waterproof in all conditions. The lens will be available in early 22 for $1,199.95. Sample images do cook quite, um, look quite nice and be interesting because if Tamron does release their Mark II of their Tamron 28-75, how they would price it, because I don't know about US pricing, but I know the Tamron version, I think is around 1100 AUD around that price. There'll probably be a lot more in AUD terms, this Nikon one, but where do you want to go for the Nikon version or the Tamron? I guess it really comes down to when it releases, what the autofocus is like and what the image quality is like in comparison. You don't really have anything like this on Canon RF right now. The closest is a 28 to 70, but it's a F2 and it's massive and it's heavy but it's also very, very dreamy and very nice. So sort of not a real apples to apples comparison in that sense. Nikon, you know, also announced that it is developing an 800mm f6.3 VRS, a super telephoto prime lens for, for full-frame Nikon FX format Z mirrorless camera. So mirrorless only. Sorry, DSLR users as usual. That 800mm f6.3 VR will be a S-line lens, which I think is like superior means, I can't remember, which Nikon says it will offer powerful rendering and outstanding resolution while thoroughly reducing color bleeding. It will also adopt a PF phase Fresnel lens that enables a compact and lightweight body, which Nikon says will make it highly portable despite being a super telephoto lens. The company promises that because of its high rendering performance and superb mobility, the coming lens will be an excellent choice for many photographers ranging from advanced amateurs all the way to professionals. When no further info was mentioned, so whether or not that Price range would range from advanced amateurs to professionals is another thing that will probably be the most interesting part. Otherwise, you know, these long primes are the type of lenses that they may not sell much, but they're so expensive that when they do sell one, it does make a difference. So not the type of thing I would buy. I was quite interested that they went for an F6.3 lens. So it'd be interesting what they try to do with it. If you're not aware, Canon have their 800mm and 600mm F11 lenses, which obviously are slow, but they're quite cheap. They're around $1,000 or something. I don't know 
what the US and AUD pricing is exactly, but they're definitely, I'd say under a thousand US dollars, I believe. And I believe they're also under 1500 AUD. Don't hold that to effect. Obviously prices change, but from what I know, they are around there. So, you know, whether Nikon's trying to mimic that sort of in a way, but then get halfway between of something faster, but still keeping it as compact as possible. Either way, more lenses, definitely good for the Nikon system. Next up, Viltrox 15mm f1.8 announced for Sony E and Nikon Z mount. So Viltrox has announced a 15mm f1.8 for both Sony and Nikon mirrorless cameras, which is surprising that Sony and Nikon, not Sony and Leica, or L mount. Without a lens cap and hood, the new Viltrox lens is relatively lightweight at just 350 grams or 12.4 ounces, which compared to the Nikon Z 15mm f1.8, which wears weighs 450 grams or 14.7 ounces. To be honest, with that minor weight difference, you probably wouldn't be able to really notice anything. You may notice it slightly if you really focus on holding just the lenses by themselves, but I feel like in real world use for that tiny amount of weight, you wouldn't notice too much. So it can also be used with APS-C models, of course, where it will deliver a 75mm equivalent focal length. I don't know this for certain, so I'm assuming that Nikon have a 1.5 times crop factor because I know Sony have 1.5, I believe Fuji have 1.5, whereas Canon's the only one that does the 1.6 times. The lens is constructed of 11 elements in 10 groups, which include one extra low dispersion element, two high refraction elements, and two aspherical lenses. Viltrox says the extra low dispersion element reduces color fringing and chromatic aberration that results in the better clarity and color accuracy, while the high refractive elements help control spherical aberrations and reduce distortion. Viltrox claims that the lens autofocus motors minimize errors when photographers review and compose using live view and brings precise and smooth focus to the shots, which sort of doesn't really make sense to me because it's only for mirrorless cameras and mirrorless cameras are pretty much permanently in live view, so makes no sense. The new 50mm lens features an aperture range of f1.8 up to f16, minimum focusing distance of 55cm, a 55mm Front filter thread, the aperture can be selected using an integrated manual aperture ring for tactile exposure control. The ring also has an A, so automatic position for automated camera-based aperture selection. The lens also comes with an integrated micro USB port, which can be used for downloading future firmware updates, which is a really great feature. This one costs only 380 US dollars. And honestly, you know, for a Vultrox lens, pretty much in line with what their other lenses are like, but it does look good great budget option for those people out there wanting something more budget orientated. So the Panasonic GH6 delayed until 2022. So although highly anticipated, unfortunately Panasonic has announced that their camera is now delayed till 2022, which, you know, depending on when isn't too far away, like, like two weeks. An apology has been published to his Japanese website, which reads, thank you for your continued patronage of Paris Panasonic products. Regarding the mirrorless single lens camera Lumix GH6, which was developed and announced on May 26, 2021, we were aiming for commercializations within 2021 but expected to be delayed. Currently, we are aiming for commercialization in early 2022. We sincerely apologize for any convenience caused to customers who are ready, who are sorry, are waiting for this product. The GH6 has been rumored to be in production since at least spring of 2020. And Panasonic officially announced this, that the GH6 was coming in May, but provided only a few details on the camera at the time, and none since then. The camera is expected to retail from around 2500 I assume, US dollars, and was scheduled to become available before the end of 2021. 
Panasonic announced the GH5 Mark II at the same time it made the GH6 development announcement and while the updates to that camera were rather notable, it still felt like a stopgap release you know, while waiting for the GH6 according to Petapixel. There was some speculated specs in there but I didn't read them, they're all video related so you know in all fairness mean nothing to me. Sure they mean something to maybe one of the listeners but I highly doubt it. You know, I'd be surprised if many video centric people listen to this because I'm pretty much anti. I wouldn't say I'm anti-video, I appreciate video, I like it, I just don't want to do it myself. I love stills and I prefer stills. But yeah, otherwise that's it for the news, so I guess we'll be on to the main topic. So as mentioned, this is going to be a little discussion on 2021 and in my photography as well as some goals for 2022. So for the last episode of the year, you know, I like to reflect on the past year, my photography, what I learned, what I didn't learn, what I did with my gear, set goals for the following year and that sort of stuff. In terms of my photography, it's definitely been a mixed year for my photos. As you know, I had my busy times, my quiet times, I got new gear, so I was shooting a bit more around those times. But we also had lockdowns through a lot of winter, which was my main time for shooting, so it made it harder to go to more further locations that I wanted to visit to be able to do the images that I wanted to take this year as part of of my goal for that. I thought I'd sort of go over some stuff. And to be honest, I'm going to be releasing my like top five of 2021 images on my blog, photosbydeal.com. Probably be releasing that one mid next week, mainly because I just still got to pick out which ones are my favorites. And I want to do a little bit of a decent write up as well. Who knows, maybe I'll even do a very quick special bonus episode of the podcast talking through my five images and you know why I picked those ones. I haven't done that before, but hey, might do it this year just for something different, but no guarantees. I'll see how I feel. And how much time I have to be able to record it as well. But, you know, in all honesty, I do have like five days off work. This coming weekend, I got five days off, work two days, and I have another four days off. Then, yeah, already new year, already new back to work, all that kind of stuff. But otherwise, so number one big thing about this year, gear changes. So I did swap to the R6 last year. So had the 85 by Christmas, the 35 by Christmas, had all that stuff by Christmas. This year I did get quite a bit new gear. The first one that I can sort of remember off the top of my head was the M50 Mark II. I sold the M5 to swap to the M50 Mark II mainly because the M5 was quite old. There weren't, you know, any reasons I really wanted to keep it compared to the M50 Mark II. The M50 Mark II had a much better autofocus system, which now using it for so long, I can definitely say it is much better. The other thing was obviously I like the fully articulating screen. That one helps a lot for my photography. The one thing I wish, you know, the M cameras would have, if I, if say the M50 had IBIS, I think it would be like the perfect camera IBIS and a proper electronic shutter. So I could do an electronic first curtain shutter. Those two things, if I could add those two things in, be a perfect second backup camera to the R6. But yeah, selling the M5 wasn't like a big deal for me. wasn't some sad moment. I did have it for a long time. You know, I had the M3, the M5, did love it. The rear screen on that was better, but you know, it was fixed, not fully articulating and I'm happy with the M50 Mark II now. I'm happy with my setup. If Canon do release an RF APS-C camera, I don't know what I'll do. If they release, you know, the new version of the EF... I, I don't even know how to say it because if it was an EOS M camera, but it was an RF camera. I don't know what they call it, whether they just go back to the Rebel name and do what. I actually want to do an episode, probably will be the next episode possibly that I do on this, will be on the RF mount and what I would like to see happen with it. But yeah, that's for two weeks time from now but otherwise I got that the next lens I got I believe was the RF 50mm f1.8 never big fan of 50mm I tried the EF1 which I own but never used on my R6 and it performed amazingly 
So much so that that's why I bought the RF version because I wanted just all RF lenses, which I have now. And I've honestly forgot to sell my adapter. Been meaning to sell it for like a month now. I think I said last episode as well, I was going to sell it and I still haven't sold it. So yeah, that's how bad I am. But the RF 15mm f1.8 made me love 15mm focal length again. It has really nice bokeh, nice image quality. I'm happy with it. It's not as sharp as the 35 or the 85, but it's not soft either. You can still get creative, great images. Hell, my self-portrait with that lens made explore. So that's, you know, one kind of good thing to do about it. I didn't see anyone saying, oh, your photo's too soft or anything. I also got the RF 16mm, which has been a, was a dream lens for me for so many years, but I've barely touched it. I use it once and that's it, which is pretty embarrassing to be honest. But in saying that, I did get it right when summer hit and I don't go out to take photos in the warmer seasons, mainly because, yeah, I hate the heat. I try to stay home as much as possible. And also because sunset's like 8 p.m. So, you know, blue hour will be like 8.30. The light will be really good around then. So, you know, say I take my photos, pack up at 9, get home like 9.30 or later, then have to shower. It's already like 10.30, 11. And I like to sleep at 10. So, you know, it just doesn't work for me. So that's why I haven't got to use it that much. The same goes for the RF 100 to 400. I used it a few times, like once or twice, and it blew me away. Both lenses have blown me away. I'm really happy with both lenses. It's just, I haven't got the chance to use them. Those standard primes, my 35, 50, and 85 are my most used lenses, mainly because those focal lengths can be used for so much, especially in terms of macro with the 85. In terms of new techniques, so I really focus on telephoto lenses this year, I would say. A lot of my cityscapes were pretty much, almost all my cityscapes were with telephotos. I did do some with the 35 millimeters, but I'd never used primes for cityscapes as much as I did this year. And it's because I had no zooms to be able to use it. Well, technically I had zooms, but for when it came to the more wide end, I only had prime, which was a 35 millimeter, which I made work really well. And I was really happy with it. And I experimented more because I'd never used telephoto lenses for cityscapes. But after using them, there's just something about them I really like and I really enjoy using them. It's not like I only did it for this year either. Going forward, you know, that's sort of my taste in tele in cityscapes and that kind of style of it. I do plan to use telephoto lenses much more. But as I mentioned, you know, whatever works, depending on the location I want to shoot from, the lighting, that kind of stuff, I'll use what works. If the prime works, the wide works, I'll use that. If the tele, I'll use that. Really doesn't matter too much. I also, in terms of still life, focused on macro a bit more towards the end of the year, mainly because of doing the macro Mondays. It is funny because, you know, as I've mentioned, I've owned a macro lens pretty much the whole time I've been doing photography, but I've never actually used it for macro very, very rarely, probably like a handful of times. Whereas now I'm actually using it for macro. So yeah, it's different using it for what it's technically intended for, but you'll find most macro lenses, you know, even the true one-to-one like Canon RF 100L, they're such versatile lenses as well. They can be used for portraits, landscapes, they can be used for anything. I also learned to use texture overlays, something I was very curious about for a long time, but never really gave the time to learn to use or invested in them. And now that I have, I can't go back. It's just, yeah, my still life needs texture overlays. They're just not the same without them. There will be photos that I take, you know, still life ones that don't use them. I don't add it to every single photo I take because I will be overdoing it and doesn't suit everything. But sometimes when you take these, you know, kind of like still life shots, which is just a subject and some interesting lighting with no nothing else in the photo to really add to it, the texture really adds to it, which is where it comes in. I also wrote a few reviews, not as many as I definitely should have or would have liked. I did my R6, my M50 Mark II, my IR 50mm review. I'm not going to lie, I had the Tamron 100-400 to review pretty much done, but I 
you know, just was waiting for images and waiting for more images and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, never made, got made. I think I have enough images to honestly just write a review on it and finish it. So I'll probably just do that. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I don't know how many people will buy it compared to the 100 to 400. Either way, the reviews won't stop. They're just going to be very, yeah, when they come, they come sort of thing. I also did the 15mm f1.8 review. So one sort of, I don't know, criticism, I wouldn't call it criticism, but feedback I have from a friend is that my reviews can be a bit lengthy, which I know they are. My initial reason for making them so lengthy was I felt that if you didn't want to read, you could just listen to the audio version. But, you know, some people do still prefer to read. And some people, you know, and even myself will kind of just look at the photos first make that decision where it's worth reading based on the photos and i always try and do a more casual approach to it but for any review i write in the future like my rf 85 is pretty much mostly written that one will come out let's just say january it's going to come out january to force me to do it but for that one i'm trying to keep it under a thousand words and it's kind of funny as well because when i used to do uni assignments hearing an assignment was like a thousand fifteen hundred it would struggle to be able to like write that much now i am honestly struggling to keep it in a thousand words I think a few of my reviews, like my R6, my A7 Mark III, those were like thousands of words. I think the A7 Mark III was like two or three thousand words, which is insane to think. Like, you know, I could have gone into even more detail and that was trying to keep it brief. I think as well, because I do these reviews over such a long period of time, there's a lot more to say in a way. But at the same time, I don't want to get too technical. I just want to keep it casual. But I'll just try and, you know, amend those reviews from now on. Try and keep them a bit shorter, but I'll probably go into more detail in the audio review just to make up for it. So people who want something more detailed, more feedback, that kind of stuff, then yeah, that's what they have. In terms of goals for next year, I want to shoot more consistently. I don't want stuff to stop me. So for example, with the lockdowns, I could have easily shot at home. And I know some people get down when they're in lockdowns and depressed and they don't have the mood or the creativity to be able to do their photography, but that definitely wasn't me. I love being at home, you know, didn't bother me. I don't know. I just felt like for periods I had no creativity. When it came to still life, I didn't know what to shoot. That's why I didn't shoot. But thankfully, I've pretty much got past that. I've got lots of ideas to shoot. Just need to find the time to be able to do them. There's a lot of prop related stuff I want to do and include. So, you know, sometimes it's a case of making all that stuff. I want to keep doing macro Mondays and maybe do like, I think they're like crazy Tuesdays or smile Saturdays, flicker Fridays. I want to keep doing all those kind of ones and make sure I shoot. Right now, I've been doing it every fortnight, mainly because, you know, the podcast. So use the time to do the podcast rather than that. Because I do exercise quite a bit. I'm trying to exercise even more. I want to lose more fat just to give a bit of an update. Even though it's not related to photography, I hope people don't mind me saying it, but I have a lot of fat on me. Not as bad as it used to be, but definitely. So say, for example, in March, I believe it was, I was around 78 kilos. But now this time of year, I've managed to get up to 85 and that's like, putting on muscle while losing fat. So it's really good. I just want to keep doing that, replacing my fat with muscle. People who haven't seen me in a long time, you know, haven't mentioned that they can see the difference, which is really good. And I'm really happy about makes me want to keep working out more so I can look like a true WWE champion, but I'm joking. But otherwise, you know, definitely more consistent with my shooting keep doing macro. I don't even know how I got onto that, you know, going from macro Mondays to this, but I want to keep shooting, be more consistent and manage my time better to be able to focus a lot more on photography. I also want to continue the podcast, so I'm not going to stop anytime soon. I don't know if anyone would realize, but I haven't actually missed a fortnight in the last two years. I did it every fortnight for whole of 2020 and for the whole of 2021 once this releases, so I don't think I'm going to even take a break soon. I was hoping to travel next year, and if I do, that's where it'll get a bit more challenging. 
if I, you know, I'm traveling, I would probably and most likely just release an episode on a topic only with no news, mainly because, you know, I'm traveling, I can't record, but otherwise, yeah, and I'll be automating everything, but I'll just try, I'll try my best to keep it up. I can't guarantee that I won't miss a week in next year. You know, who knows, I'll maybe get married next year, so that could keep me busy for a bit as well. Otherwise, that's it. And the one thing I'm going to say, I say it every year and I never stick to it, but I'm going to try and control my gas. So I'm hoping I can keep up with it. But the only new gear that I will be buying next year would be a Sigma 85mm f1.4 DN Art and the 105mm f2.8 Macro from Sigma Art as well. You're probably wondering, but you already have an 85. So here's a bit of a spoiler for the um, 85mm review. It's a great lens, but... I feel like I would rather two lenses that do both things better. So as you know, the 85mm isn't a true one-to-one macro. So that's where the 105 comes in. It's a true one of one-to-one macro, bit longer focal lengths, give me a few more options there. And if you're talking about fast apertures, you know, F2 is definitely not F1.4, especially for full body shots. They have a different look to them for sure. So that's where the 85mm F1.4 would come in. So it's sort of up and down in that sense. So I'll see what I can do, you know, see what they, if they do come out from Sigma, Obviously, assuming they have the same performance they did when I was using them on Sony, well, not them, but the 85. If it's like near native performance for autofocus in stills, then I have no issue because I know image quality, they're going to kill it, but it's just autofocus. If autofocus is like native, I'm good to swap. So that's pretty much it. That's my review of my 2021 for photography and my predictions, not predictions, sorry, goals for 2022. So I'd be curious to know if anyone else sets these out, sets these like what I do, reach out to me on Twitter, Flickr, that sort of stuff, even email me, let me know what you plan to do or plan to avoid doing sort of thing when it comes to your photography. Otherwise, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Thank you all very much for listening throughout 2021. If you celebrate Christmas, have a Merry Christmas. Otherwise, have a happy holidays. Just enjoy the time off work. If you get time off work, hopefully you get to relax a bit. Otherwise, have a happy and safe new year. And see you all in 2022. Thank you.